Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. This court is rendering guilty verdicts for this alpha unit or A team and incarceration in maximum security facilities for 10 years. We are innocent. Where's the plan, boss? You actually sound worried. Those men were your responsibility. Find them. Hell no. I ain't stepping foot in any type of aircraft. Get in the plane. We gotta finish the escape. Man up and get in there. Putting the team back together. <laughs> so how do you plan on stopping them? I'll sweat them. This just got exciting. I'm BA. You're gonna be unconscious. Just a heck of a beautiful place. Just a timeshare. I'd love to get in there. <laughs> Good morning! He tried to escape by jump-starting an ambulance with a defibrillator. Clear! My kind of guy. I told you the mission wasn't over. What are we talking about? Clean records? We were set up. It's payback time. Oh, hell yeah, Hannibal. They are the best, and they specialize in the ridiculous. Give me a minute, I'm good. Light him up, kill him all! Give my team an hour, we're unbeatable. Hey there, it's Brian Davis, and for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie version of The A-Team from 2010. The studio with 20th Century Fox, the release date was June 11, 2010, the running time 119 minutes. The rating was PG-13 with a budget of $110 million. The box office in the U.S. only took in $77 million, making it the 44th ranked movie of 2010. However, internationally, it made over $100 million, which brought the total gross to $177 million. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 49% rotten from 212 reviews. Their critics' consensus is the A-Team assembles a top-rate cast only to ditch the show's appealingly silly premise for explosive yet muddled blockbuster filmmaking. Roger Ebert, at the time, gave it 1.5 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. The A-Team is an incomprehensible mess with the 1980s TV show embedded inside. The characters have the same names, they play the same types, they have the same traits, and they're easily as shallow. That was okay for a TV sitcom, which is what the show really was. 
But at over two hours of queasy cam anarchy, it's punishment. The movie uses the new style of violent action, which fragments sequences into so many bits and pieces that it's impossible to form any sense of what's happening, or where, or to whom. The actors appear in flash frames intercut with shards of CGI and accompanied by loud noises, urgent music, and many explosions. This continues for the required length, and then there's some dialogue. Not a lot, a few words, a sentence, sometimes a statement that crosses the finish line at paragraph length. Here's the quick plot. Wrongly framed for counterfeiting, the 18 members, all Iraq veterans, bust out of various prisons and go after the engraving plates, which would pretty much be worn out while printing enough $100 bills to pay for the millions in property damage they cause in the process. Bored out of my mind during this spectacle, I found my attention wandering to the subject of physics. The A-Team has an action scene that admirably demonstrates Newton's third law, which instructs us that for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. The movie illustrates this as the heroes fall from an exploding airplane while inside an armored tank. As the tank hurtles to the ground which is Newton's law of gravity, the team leader, Hannibal Smith, looks out at an opening and barks out commands for the tank's gun. I am paraphrasing. (laughs) Turn 45 degrees to the left. Fire. 25 degrees to the right. Fire. In this way, he is able to direct the fall of the tank and save their lives. This is very funny. I know there are Harley lovers among my devoted readers. Am I right in assuming that it is difficult to get enough speed for a good aerial jump while biking across a crooked heap of freight containers? I ask because, as I hinted above, no action in this movie necessarily has any relationship to the action surrounding it. Are my objections ridiculous? Why? How is it interesting to watch a movie in which the action is essentially colorful abstractions? Isn't it more satisfying if you know where everyone is and what they're doing and how they're doing it in real time? In other words, isn't The Hurt Locker more interesting than The A-Team? To give it credit, the movie knows it is childish. The PG-13 is appropriate. There is little gore, no sex beyond a chast kiss, no R-rated language, but oh my god, they're smoking. Alert to preteens, try one of those fat cigars Hannibal smokes and you won't feel like eating dinner. (laughs) And that's the end of Ebert's review. Ebert was in top form for this review, and while I'm obviously in the camp that does enjoy this film for the fluff it is, I appreciate a quality critique, and Ebert definitely does not let me down on this one. Alright, look, as Ebert mentioned, the original TV show from the 1980s was meant to be absolutely ridiculous. It was notorious for having the most gunshots fired without without anyone ever being hit, and definitely nobody ever dies if they did get hit. The violence was, you know, is cartoon-esque with the characters that had larger-than-life personalities. Is this film adaptation better than the show? No, of course not. But it's enjoyable enough for a newer generation to possibly go check out the TV series. All right, let's get into the main cast. You get Liam Neeson, who plays Hannibal, and Neeson started his career in the late 1970s and acted steadily throughout the 1980s, with my favorites of his being Suspect with uh, Cher and Dennis Quaid, uh, The Deadpool, which is the last Dirty Harry movie. However, what really broke Neeson's career was when he played the lead as Oscar Schindler in Schindler's List. He was also in the first Star Wars prequel, The Phantom Menace, as Quingon Jinn. He was in Gangs in New York. Kinsey, Batman Begins, he plays Descartes, and Taken, which amazingly generated multiple sequels. I mean, how often can someone get taken? Especially in your own family. Uh, the character of Hannibal was originally portrayed, of course, by George Pappard. 
Bradley Cooper plays Face, and Cooper started acting in the new millennium, mostly in small roles and on movies and, and some TV shows. But really the movie that broke him out it was one of the best comedies in the past 15 years, and that is The Hangover. After that, his career just took off, and not just for comedies, many serious roles as well. And Face was portrayed by Dirk Benedict on the TV show. Jessica Biel plays Carissa Sosa, and Biel was first noticed as one of the main characters in the TV series Seventh Heaven before she got into movies. Movie-wise, she was in films like Summer Catch and The Rules of Attraction. Uh, she was in the 2003 remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was her first top-billing role. And then she was uh, in the third Blade sequel, which was called uh, Blade Trinity. She also appeared in other movies like The Illusionist with Edward Norton, I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry with Adam Sandler and Kevin James, and then Valentine's Day prior to the A-Team. Quentin Rampage Jackson plays B.A. Baracus, and Jackson's career did not start in Hollywood, but as an MMA fighter, and his career record as a fighter was 38-14, and he won the UFC Light Heavyweight Championship in 2007. He was known for being very aggressive and eccentric, which translated into him getting into the movie world. The A-Team would be his first major role after appearing in just a handful of films and smaller roles. Of course, the most famous person to come out of the original A-Team was Mr. T. He played the original B.A. Baracus. Charlotte Copley plays Murdoch, and Copley and Jackson were the newest actors in this film, with Copley's first major role coming a year prior to the A-Team in a movie called District 9. Dwight Schultz famously played Howling Mad Murdoch on the TV series. The director was Joe Carnahan, and prior to the A-Team, Carnahan directed a few films, but it was 2006's Smoke and Aces with Ryan Reynolds, Ray Liotta, and Jeremy Piven that put him on the map. Alright, let's get into the movie. So, if you're wondering what does the A-Team stand for... It means Alpha Unit. The film begins, quote, somewhere in Mexico. Yes, that's what the font says. And the leaders of the A-Team, Colonel Hannibal Smith, that's Liam Neeson, is being held captive by two corrupt cops. Well, there's a shocker. While on a rescue mission to get Lieutenant Peck, better known as Face, Bradley Cooper, out of Mexico. Hannibal escapes because he's the main man, after all, and he escapes by hiding a firing pin from his gun and then uncuffs himself by picking the lock. Somewhere else in Mexico, we meet Bosco, B.A. Baracus, Rampage Jackson, who immediately destroys a group of guys in a warehouse who have captured his beloved van in storage. In a nod to Mr. T, Rampage Jackson has pity tattooed on one hand and fools on the other. Face is being held at a ranch, I think, and uh, being restrained by having tires stacked around him. We find out that Faye slept with the wife of the Mexican general. This is on par for the character as he's more charm than brawn in the group. So while driving down a desert road in his van, B.A. is stopped by Hannibal in the middle of the road. Hannibal pulls a gun on B.A. because he needs to help rescue Face and he needs a vehicle. For this movie, I suppose it's an origin story, so B.A. isn't quite in the group yet. Hannibal actually shoots B.A. in the arm to prove he means business. We do find out that B.A. is an ex-Army Ranger, as was Hannibal. So they kind of bond over their military background, and B.A. agrees to help Hannibal. Now I need your help to save another. Bad news for you today! This rescue is coming! We fed him to the Rottweilers about an hour ago. funny that you actually believe that you got me. You actually think you're going to kill me. You drive? Than anybody ever seen, sir. Nadie sabía dónde escondías. No había en hell. Hasta ahora, cabrón. 
NBA rescue face, but as you can hear from the last clip, face rolled down a hill in tires that bound him, which was kind of a fun stunt to watch. To get out of Mexico, the guys need a chopper and a pilot, and this is where we get to meet Captain Howling Mad Murdoch, Charlotte Copley, who is a great pilot, but he's also nuts. He is actually in a mental hospital, though he's acting like a doctor and stitches up BA's gunshot wound, which looks like me trying to sew something, and it's not a good job. And then he lights Face's arm on fire with a mini blowtorch. Hey! This is a hospital. <coughs> Everybody's met Mr. Murdoch. Met him. He lit my arm on fire. This is a lightning bolt in mine, man. Look at me, son. I'm told you're a hell of a chopper pilot. The best, sir. I'm not getting on the chopper with this nut job. Man. Yeah, that's a good. You know, was he another one of your projects? I'm a real soldier. I'm a ranger, baby. I'm worried. I'm a ranger, sir. That's good enough for me. You've been released into our that care wall. and reinstated. Actually, not even, not even close to good with that. Thank you, sir. Let's get the hell out of here. Oh, you called yourself rust bucket. You did you miss your daddy's face? You know what's the most drugs. important part of a well-oiled plant? What we're gonna go in this dinosaur, this freak show? Yep. You spin me right round, baby, right round. Rotors are good, sir. Who is this guy? B.A. hates flying, and having Murdoch as the pilot does not help. B.A.'s van is also crushed while taking off. Chaps, we go for it. Hey, get him in here! Oh, shit! Oh, 
kid. Two to three steps ahead. Beating an enemy's move before it's even made. That's a plan. Hatchet, hatchet. Lock on my LC. General Zuko, you're currently engaged in unauthorized warfare on United States military personnel. No, 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 no. You engage me. Repeat, you're engaged in unauthorized warfare on United States military personnel. Over United States airspace. What? Alpha. Mike. Fox. In other words, adios, mother. From that last clip, that of course was Hannibal's catchphrase, and we now have our A-Team. Then we fast forward eight years and 80 successful missions later. They are now stationed in Iraq, and we meet Captain Carissa Sosa, Jessica Peel, who of course knows face. Lieutenant. I'm sorry, am I supposed to call you Lieutenant back? No, you're supposed to call me Captain. Captain? Captain? That's right. Captain Crunch, look at you. Wow. So I guess you said no to the kids, no to the family. Just on the fast track. Three years? Haven't seen each other for three years. This is what we're going to talk about? <laughs> what would you like to discuss? Did you take my Steely Dan CD? I'm not even gonna respond to that. We listened to it like nine times in a row. We were drinking that crappy Cabernet. You done with that? <laughs> oh, we were doing something else. What were we doing? Do you remember what it was we were doing? It was, it was in a bedroom. You don't remember? The only thing I remember is leaving, which is my fondest memory of you. The A-Team is given an assignment by a CAA operative named Lynch to retrieve U.S. Treasury mint plates and about a billion in cash that were stolen by Saddam Hussein during the Iran-Iraq war. However, Sosa is against the A-Team trying to recover the plates because they're wild cards and they often don't do things by the book. She also doesn't trust Lynch. Hannibal's commanding officer is General Morrison, played by Gerald McRaney. You might remember him from Simon & Simon. Anyway, you know the boys are going to do the mission regardless because they're the A-team. We got one uh, medium tank left. I said this for any type of aircraft, animal. No gliders, paper planes, ultralights. Are you ever going to let me live that down? No. Mexico was a long time ago, and I saved your life. How about thanking me for not whooping your ass at that hospital? I was an airborne ranger until I met you. And you chicken out just like... 263 jumps. Just a thank you would have been nice. And one helicopter ride with you screws it up. Airborne ranger with uh -huh. a fear of fine, like a punk. BA, for the last time, nobody leaves the truck once we take it over. Okay? Staging. Movement. Action plan. There's a nice read for you. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, Hannibal. <laughs> this is it right here. It's perfect. Mm, this is uh, beyond nuts, boss. It gets better. <laughs> then you get what the TV show was so great at. A montage of the guys getting all the supplies together for their mission. 
The mission itself is your typical action movie fare, but it's still fun to watch. But again, it's the planning that always made the show great. The other 18 plot point is always trying to trick BA into flying. This mission was no different as BA is in the cargo box, which is then picked up by a plane flown by Murdoch. The boys complete their mission, but the plates and the money are blown up as they are double-crossed by a private security firm called Black Forest, led by Brock Pike. The problem with this is that the A-Team were on a covert mission, and then the only person who knew about this was General Morrison, who was killed during the explosion of the cargo. The A-Team is then court-martialed and sentenced to 10 years in prison. The guys are sent to separate prisons. Hannibal vows to clear the group's name and go after Black Forest and others who set him up. Lynch visits Hannibal in prison and informs him that Pike has the plates and is attempting to sell them and has a Middle Eastern backer. The next mission plan montage is to have the team break out of their prisons. Hannibal, Face, and B.A. break out, but B.A. has changed in prison as he took a vow not to kill anyone. But he agrees to get Murdoch out of the Army Mental Hospital, and this involves watching The Great Escape, the old classic, in 3D. Captain Murdoch, where is he? Right through there. Thank you. El Diablo. Okay. 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 Okay, this is pointless. This guy is fried. Yeah, that's the reason why he's And his entire team has escaped except him. Take a look around anyway. Let's make sure he's alone. So this is a fun escape scene as the boys steal a fighter plane and end up getting shot down, but they parachute down and end up escaping by a tank, meaning that the tanks themselves have parachutes attached to them. Now. Oh, Move now. Now. The C-130 is 
flight control. Ladies and gentlemen, we are expecting slight turbulence. Please remain in your seats until the captain has turned off the fastened seatbelt sign. Don't worry, boys! Turbulence has never brought down a plane! No. They're 
trying to fly that tank. Big fire the tank! You can't fly a tank, fool! Rotate 16 degrees! Sosa finds out that Lynch visited Hannibal in prison and likely arranged for the A-team to, to escape. Sosa contacts Lynch, telling him if he tries to retrieve the plates, he will be stopped by the Department of Defense. And this is where the plot kind of gets convoluted. The basics are, the A-team is trying to get the plates back from Pike and clear their name. The team discovers that all the plates will arrive together on a trip to Zurich, carried by the Middle Eastern backer. The plan is to stop their arrival. The team decides that Sosa can help them in the retrieval, but they will use her without her knowledge and that she's helping them on their mission. Again, the plot is actually too clever for its own good and likely why the film didn't do better as it should have. Part of the charm of the TV show was the characters themselves, you know, them planning the missions, the ridiculousness of tons of gunshots and nobody getting killed, and, and most importantly, the straightforward plots. So while the movie has the characters in the action, it really does fail plot-wise. It's actually straight out of a Scooby-Doo cartoon, even with the mask-type reveal, which is twice this happens. It's also a plot that has never-ending twists, likely done by the writers who believe this would be a franchise. But unfortunately, because the film didn't do as well as planned, the franchise was limited to only one film, which leaves the ending of the film confusing and frankly unsatisfying. And, and for me, this is the problem with making a film assuming that it will continue past one film. If the filmmakers had taken it one film at a time, it might have benefited everyone in the long run. I love it when a plan comes together. Still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire. And then there is a final scene after the credits which gives cameos to the original Face and Murdoch. Kill, how's the new bed? Beautiful! <laughs> Listen, now I know this is good for the body, but how do you protect the face? Yeah. 
You don't mess with it, kid. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. Is that all you got? There we go. Yeah. This guy Murdoch is nuts. I wonder if he's nuts or are these nuts. Yeah, I, th I think I might have felt something there. All right, some fun facts. Not surprisingly, given the eventual finished product of the film, production had been in the planning phase since the 90s, but was always postponed. John Singleton was originally going to direct the film, and he said that his cast would have included Mel Gibson as Hannibal, Christian Bale as Face, Jim Carrey as Murdoch, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson as B.A. Ice Cube was also approached for the B.A. role. Other rappers like Common and The Game were also considered. Mahershala Ali also auditioned for the role. Other people considered uh, for the role of Murdoch, Woody Harrelson, Ryan Reynolds, and Sean William Scott. Sylvester Stallone expressed interest in an early draft of the A-Team script written for 20th Century Fox, but he wanted to direct, and he also wanted to play Hannibal. There were a ton of people actually considered for the role of Hannibal. Uh, here are the biggest names. First, you have Harrison Ford, Bruce Willis, George Clooney, and Tommy Lee Jones. And then there were many others, and these are also some other big names. Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then we start to kind of tail off. Bill Paxton, Brian Bosworth, the ex-football player for the uh, Seahawks. Howie Long, ex-football player for the Raiders. Stephen Lang, Michael Bean, Jeff Bridges, Ed Harris, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Josh Brolin, Dennis Quaid, John Travolta, Nicholas Cage, Michael Keaton, Alec Baldwin, Ron Perlman, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and Steven Seagal were all considered. Amber Heard and Olga Kurylenko auditioned for the role of Lieutenant Sosa. As you heard from the final clip, Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz decided to reprise their roles. However, Mr. T had no interest in being part of the film since he would not actually be playing the character of B.A. So this is funny. So Charlotte Copley's mother banned him from watching the original A-Team uh, TV show at home due to the on-screen violence. So he watched it at a friend's house on occasion. And the first thing he did when he got the role of Murdoch was to call his mom and tell her, I was just getting her back for not letting me watch the series when I was a kid. So this is really funny because when I was a kid, uh, I went to a friend's house and Dukes of Hazard was on the TV and her mom w wouldn't let him watch that. And I was like, why? This is a show's great. And she was like, your mom lets you or your parents let you watch this. I'm like, yeah, they also let me watch the A-Team. And I got, I got like, a look of disgust. But eh, whatever. And I also used to do this too. Copley, when he was a kid, apparently used to use uh, a tape recorder. He'd hide it behind the television uh, in the TV room and then record the A-Team's audio. And then he would listen to it when his parents thought he was asleep. I used to do this too with TV shows. I did it all the time with like Family Ties and the A-Team. All you'd hear was gunshots. <laughs> Bradley Cooper became so proficient in weapons training that he was able to reload his M4 rifle in less than four seconds. This was actually in the film, but was left on the cutting room floor. All right, we have two special guests. We have Sonny Pooney from the Grown Up Rock podcast, and also podcast Rock City, who will join us. And also Eric Sinzak will discuss the A-Team movie. And I will be back next week to discuss yet another random movie from my DVD collection. All right, we're back with Sonny Pooney from the Grown Up Rock podcast. And also, he's, he's he's on a KISS podcast as well, so you can promote that as well. Yeah, Podcast Rock City. Uh, That's we right. drop an episode every Sunday. And, uh, you know, just three guys talking about KISS because there's mm -hmm. a lot to talk about with KISS. It's almost like your very own A-team on KISS. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we get into the movie, were you a fan of the TV show? Huge 
fan mm. of the TV show. Almost, I almost liked A Team as much as I liked MacGyver. Yeah, well, I'm with you there. Absolutely. Yeah. But going back and watching the episodes now, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a like, oh my god, that is some terrible acting. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, you know the best. The best show, or the best episode, was actually the pilot because the pilot's really, really well done. Uh, after that, I still enjoy it. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, the pilot really is is almost like the it's it's almost like a movie. Yeah, I think what uh, and this is a guess, obviously, I don't know, but mm-hmm. as that show went on because it lasted several seasons, I got a feeling that the network was saying you got to be funnier because yeah. sitcoms were so hot in that time frame of life. That it's like, if we got to get both sides of fans, we probably got the action junkies, but you got to make this thing funnier. Otherwise, we're going to start losing fans. Absolutely. And especially they were on NBC. They had Family Ties. They had Facts of Life. They had um, Cosby Show. So, yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And I think they wanted to keep it an hour because some of these shows that are not going to be sitcoms, you can't have them less than an hour. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think they were probably trying a little too hard at the end there. Oh, I agree. I agree. But the first couple seasons are, are terrific. And I actually do have the complete collection on uh, on DVD. And it does come in B.A. Baracus's van. So that's it's worth it just for that. <laughs> I don't have that, but I think I will be getting that now. Absolutely. It's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it. All right. Let's get into the movie part. Do you think the movie is as good as the TV show? Uh, the movie's better. Okay. This, this For all the things that we've talked about in the past that shouldn't have a sequel... Mm-hmm. This thing needs like four or five. It should have been a series. This could oh, be the new Mission uh, Impossible. I do not know why they didn't make a second one. Well, it didn't make enough money for the budget, unfortunately. They were ta- definitely talking about a series, but for whatever reason, this didn't play out like they thought it would. Well, if they couldn't make money then, Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper alone is going to be too much money now. Exactly. And that's a great point, because at that point, uh, Liam Neeson by far was the biggest star. But now Bradley Cooper has has probably overtaken him in popularity. Yeah, I would say so. But all that being said, my favorite character on this thing is Lynch. Lynch is (laughs) hilarious. I love a funny bad guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Patrick Wilson's terrific in this. Uh, Yeah. And, you know, you have Pike as kind of the alpha normal Mm -hmm. bad guy the brash guy but uh yeah lynch oh my god he still makes me laugh out loud in a movie that really isn't supposed to be super funny he makes me laugh out loud there's no doubt yeah and i think especially with the actual guys in the a team it was always i think going to be tricky to get um murdoch correct because murdoch was so larger than life on the tv show yeah i have to admit though these four characters in the movie versus the tv show the movie did a great job to get the same mannerisms, the same craziness, uh, the, the looks, right? I mean, for a lot of times when you have a TV going to a movie or a movie going to a TV, sometimes you lose kind of the feel of the character because a person that looks a certain way played them a certain way. Right. But these guys were close, really, really close. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, Bradley Cooper totally gets, you know, Dirk Benedict and, uh, you know, you, you could see Liam Neeson as George Pappard and, and definitely Rampage Jackson. He pulled off the Mr. T and there were some cool nods to the original show, you know, like him putting the tattoos on his fingers and things like that. Yeah. And I thought uh, I wrote that down as a note, like they did a good job of doing that right out of the gate. 
Yeah. So if you were, a, you know, cause you probably went to see the movie either, you know, you'd love Liam Neeson, I guess at the time. So you go see the movie. It's an action movie. So you get junkies either way. But sure. if you got any of the TV show fans, like you show the GMC van, the pity fool on the knuckles, mm-hmm. like did a good job of connecting to the movie right away. And the first 19 minutes of this movie kicks your ass for yeah, an really- action flick. It really does, and it was smart because the TV show really never got into the origin story, and this does. Yeah, and I think this the, the movie does a better job of making it more military-type plans and a more military spin versus the TV show was part military and part MacGyver, honestly, right? Because a, a lot of the TV show was about taking whatever household things you had and try <laughs> to make something out of it to go fight the bad guy. That doesn't really happen a ton in this movie. Now, the Kevlar head thing? That's mm-hmm. very unique. Uh, you know, of course I had to go on, um, Murdoch cause he's nuts. Sure. Um, so there's some unique things in this movie, but I like it that it was more military, but not too military to where it loses me. Yeah. And that's a good point. One of the, one of the criticisms of this film and even Liam Neeson said it was the plot kind of got a little bit convoluted for its own good. Did you feel the same way? Um, maybe the first time I saw it, but I see mm-hmm. this movie, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. I've probably seen it 50, 70 times, wow, wow. times. I got the so, right guy. Yeah. And I saw it in the theater and oh my God, it, it looked great in the theater. Like this is one <laughs> of the movies that when it came down on DM, DVD, I got it first day kind of right. thing. Right. Um, so maybe the first time that I saw it in the theater, but I think I even see it on, I saw it in the theater two or three times. Oh, right? wow. Um, so they do a good job of kind of connecting it at the end if you follow along, but this isn't like if the first time you sit down and watch it and your best friend's sitting there with you and it's like, oh, that's not like the A-team, or they start yapping. <laughs> it's like, dude, shut up. I'm trying to follow the movie. <laughs> like you can't miss three or four minutes of the movie because you'll be lost a little bit. That's true. That's true. So maybe it's it's better you do watch in the theater because you will focus more. You know, it's tough when you're at home because it's so much easier to to get distracted. Yeah, and I think uh, you know stuff like BA almost getting religious inside. I thought that yeah. was a good spin on it. I thought the way they broke out of prison uh, was good. I thought the Baghdad mission was outstanding. Flying the tank is unique. Like, oh yeah, there's some really cool things here. Yeah, really well done action. Uh, so let me put you on the spot here. If there was to be a sequel, what would be the plot for your, for your sequel for this type of film? I think it would have to be maybe saving the director, mm. mm-hmm. right? So Henry, uh, what was it? Director McCready, right? Yeah. Ex- yep. It's like, he's in trouble. By the way, he's kind of typecast a little bit. Cause didn't he play the same part in clear and present danger and mission he, impossible? Basically he did. That's yeah. a good call. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's in trouble because, they were in the Iran Iraq war and he got uh, caught as a hostage or something. They got to go break them out and they have to fight against themselves as this asshole that keeps basically putting them in jail. Mm -hmm. And now we got to go save this guy because it's the right thing to do for America. That didn't seem right. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, they really set this up as I, I wouldn't call it a straight up origin story, but it didn't get into the, um, mercenary for hire thing that, basically the TV show is best known for. I think that's definitely where they wanted to go with this. Yeah. That's why they ended it the way they did. Right. Exactly. Is they basically ended it with the very thing that begins every TV show. Right. 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 So yeah, I think it was set up for that. And that's why I'm like, maybe I missed the sequel somewhere. And then yeah, <laughs> I was looking and there wasn't one. 
And that's the frustrating part with with movies like this, where they think they're going to do more and then they don't. And then you, the ending's like, oh, well, this is it. This is all I get, because I was kind of frustrated with the ending, too, because I wanted more. But then, uh, like you, I figured there would be a sequel. Yeah, unless they revive the TV show, I think it's going to be hard to be able yeah. to do a sequel. Like even uh, take Hawaii Five-0, for example. Now yep. Hawaii Five-0's been back five, six years at least. Yeah. Um, so they could probably do more with it if they wanted. But if this didn't do well in the timing that it got uh, made, which was, I think, about 20 years after the TV show, yeah. now it's another 20. Like, that's not going to work. It's not. It's not. And it was so funny about the TV show because it was infamous for having like the most rounds of bullets fired and nobody ever gets killed ever. <laughs> yeah. And there's never any blood. Never. And everybody lives. Yeah. Yeah. So it was so funny that everyone was complaining about the violence in the movie, but nobody ever actually dies. I, barely anyone ever gets shot. It's mostly just, be, you know, them punching someone out. You know where I remember Yule Vasquez from? Where? Seinfeld. He's oh. the homosexual. <laughs> that, are you looking at me? Because <laughs> right. if you were if you were talking to me, you're looking at me, right? You know that yeah. guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's where I remember him from. That's good memory. I love that. I love that. What do you think about the music in this? Because there is some interesting uh, kind of crossover type music on this. Yeah, I think overall the music's fine. Nothing pops off, um, you know, like huge to me. It's I'm I'm glad it's not just like one of those. Um, uh, I guess movie soundtracks that just have music, but there's some lyrics to it too. And that kind of thing. And you know, the whole Steely Dan conversation kind of keeps it fun a little bit. And yeah, I that is they, fun. They would be able to play that off in the next, uh, in the sequel if they ever do it. But, uh, yeah, the music, I mean, fits the movie. There's no doubt. Yeah. It's definitely of the time, I think, uh, as well. H- how did you feel about the Jessica Beale character? I thought she played a good part. I am not really a huge uh, Jessica Biel fan because I haven't mm-hmm. seen a bunch of Jessica Biel movies. I think the only other thing I saw was uh, Hitchcock because I love oh. that movie. Uh-huh. And uh, I now pronounce you um, Chuck and Larry. That's right. And that, I, you know I love those guys. I love Kevin. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin. Is it Kevin? Not Kevin Smith. Um, Kevin James. Yeah. Kevin James. And yeah, uh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. And that one, yeah, for whatever reason, that one doesn't really work for me. Yeah. So, but she played a good character in here, and she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, tough, but she wasn't trying too hard and she was kind of fighting against her emotions a little bit, but she's got that sarcastic feel of a ex-girlfriend. So it, it played off really well. Yeah. I did like her in, uh, did you ever see summer catch with uh, Freddie Prince jr? No, I've never seen that. Yeah. It's just kind of a, a feel good type romantic comedy. He's, he's a baseball player and, uh, you know, tr- trying to trying to get, he gets any girl he wants, but he can't get her type of thing, you know? Oh, okay. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. She was also in the third Blade movie with Ryan Reynolds. So, uh, Yeah, I've watched <laughs> the first Blade movie. That was enough. Oh, <laughs> well, you didn't like Blade. You like superhero movies, too. It was all right. It was, yeah. yeah. It was all right. If you didn't like, if you didn't like the first one, you're going to hate the third one, because <laughs> that's when they started to get into the jokey, almost like Superman 3, Richard Pryor uh, type thing. Oh, you know what? Uh, a while back, we were talking about bad sequels. Another bad sequel just popped into my head. Deadpool 2. Oh, really? You didn't like the second one? Oh, I thought that was really bad. Oh. Not as bad as Weekends of Bernie 2, but it was close. <laughs> well, no, we've already established no, that that's in your <laughs> definitely your top three of, of worst uh, films ever. So, again, you love this movie. This is one you watch every couple months? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Easily. And, uh, you know, and I'm not the biggest Liam Neeson fan either. Like, it, his stuff is a little too serious for me. I, I liked him, believe it or not, in Next to Kin. Remember he was oh, Briar yeah. Gates? Yeah, early uh, 90s. Great movie. 
Yeah, I love that movie. I love I like him as Rajo Ghoul in mm-hmm. Batman Begins. Yes. Um, but but I'm more of a Bradley Cooper fan than I really am a Liam Neeson fan. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so you didn't get into like the Taken series or anything like that? Nah, a little too close for home. You know, I, I got, you know, teenage kids. I don't know if I can watch movies like that. Like I never saw any of the nine 11 movies. Sure. I don't really watch a lot of war movies like that stuff's a little too close to the shit you see on the news. I can't I, do that. I totally get it. I know we want to escape and that's why the A team's great. Uh, speaking of Bradley Cooper, did you eventually see a star is born? It, awesome. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and absolutely, it's it's actually one of my favorite soundtracks of the last twenty years by far. I think Lady Gaga is tremendous, and uh, and he he's not a bad singer. He worked hard at it. Yeah, he's not bad at all. And I've never seen The Stars Born. I never saw the original. So sure. um, now I'm not sure I want to because it, this movie was so good. And uh, you're right, the soundtrack's awesome too. Well, yeah. So there were three different versions of Stars Born before this version. So the, uh, yeah, and you're not really into older movies, I don't think. So. Um, I don't think the Judy Garland one would be great for you. If you, I mean, if you don't like show tunes, you didn't like the music man, you're not going to like stars born. And then the Barbara <laughs> Streisand one and the Chris, Chris, that one's kind of ridiculous. That's by far the worst. The, the interesting one is the very first one with Frederick March. There is no music. It's just, it's more of a, a, a really serious film. Oh, Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I don't like overly serious films either. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's why this 18 thing, it was funny enough. Like they would do funny things every once in a while. Um, and the whole thing, you know, about you gotta, you know, inject them and catch them. You gotta, yeah. you gotta catch them, mm-hmm. you know, um, or, uh, BA gives in real quick. I don't know what this super dish is that Murdoch's making, but, uh, I'm not sure I would give in that quick if I was pissed off, but, uh, <laughs> of uh, all the characters, I think the BA character was the toughest because Mr. T truly was an icon. Right. And I, you know, I don't know. Uh, rampage at all and i guess he was a wrestler or a ufc fighter of some sort or whatever yeah. i've never seen him in anything but this right right and so yeah that was tricky i think i mean he was fine like he definitely played the role fine but i think there was just something there was a certain charm uh for lack of a better word about mr t yeah and uh you know you can't really i don't even know if he does any kind of cameos anymore either that's you couldn't get george because george was already passed away but that's right. i'm surprised they didn't get mr t but they got the other two well, I think I read that he just didn't want to be part of, of this because it really had nothing to do with the the original film. But they did, you know, you brought it up. They they did get um, Dirk Benedict and Dwight Schultz at the end, which is a great little cameo at the very, very end. Yeah, I thought uh, this uh, Char- Charlotte, how do you say his name? Yeah, sure. I, think, I think it's like Charlotte. He's from, I believe, uh, um, South Africa. Oh, really? Because I've never seen him in anything else, and he did a great job playing the crazy guy. I agree. I agree. He yeah. was terrific. He was there. And uh, that, again, that's a tough one. Yeah, there's no doubt that Murdoch is probably the toughest character out of the four to play. Like, you, there's very few people you're going to be able to tap on the shoulder and be able to get that kind of acting. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm also glad they brought back uh, that the old character after G- uh, Gerald McCraney as uh, General Morrison because he's definitely great. From uh, he was on Designing Women and uh, oh, what was that action series? Simon and Simon. Simon and Simon. Good call. I used to love Major Dad too. Remember that? Yes, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was great. He was married to Delta Burke. Yep, that's right. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. So definitely check this out. Um, I think for people that love 
action, they'll like the movie definitely more than the TV series. But if you, you know, if you want some retro fun and you're at home and you just want to have fun, definitely check out the, you can binge watch the TV show too. Yeah. If you're a Bradley Cooper fan or a Liam Neeson fan, honestly, and you've seen all these other movies they're in, this movie's not going to disappoint you. I think it's yeah. real good. Yeah, and and maybe someday they will, you know, revive it because you know Hollywood's officially out of ideas. So, you know, and actually, I'm amazed because TV has so many great things out. I'm I'm amazed they keep bringing back the same TV series as well. Like they they re, they're bringing back or they have brought back Magnum PI. I'm like, how can you make it better than what Tom Selleck did? Uh, well, they brought back MacGyver, and yeah. it's okay actually. It's, I don't think it's as good as the original, but uh, it's okay. Magnum mm-hmm. even is okay. Real, I, I couldn't do it because I love Tom Selleck. He, he was definitely one of my favorites growing up. Oh, yeah. They didn't even come close to try to pick somebody who was Tom Selleck. They didn't even yeah. come close. And I, I think they did that on purpose. Like, why even try? Yeah, because there was something. He was a lot like James Garner where he was tough but likable. You know, he could kick your ass, but he could also make, your smi- you, know, make you smile. And, and that's, a, that's truly a gift, to, you know, in acting. And I think they had to be careful, too, because he's still around. Right. He's doing Blue Bloods. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. I think what's happening with these TV shows that are coming back or getting turned into movies or the, the superheroes that continue to bring in fresh actors, they're trying to capitalize on us loving the old shows and spending money on the new stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they continue to bring in new actors to play these superheroes to try to keep it fresh for the new teenage generation that would get, uh, into the new character. Right. While keeping the old guy. So, you know, they got me. I'm still buying all this stuff because honestly, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And if if they can pull it off, they're great, you know? Um, but yeah, it just, it seems like TV, uh, there's so much out there that they wouldn't do it, but notice it's all happening on the network stuff. So I think the networks are, are always behind compared to, you know, Netflix and, and Amazon prime. Yeah. And I think it's probably holding off some of this stuff going to Amazon prime or Netflix is because they want to hold it back to see if they can revive it. I need yeah. them to revive Hogan's heroes. It was one of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> that would be, yeah, that's one. Yeah. I don't even, I guess they could do it cause they just had Jojo rabbit as a movie and they just did uh, hunters. Have you seen hunters on Amazon prime? I have it on my list to check out. Brutal, brutal. It is not what I expected. So yeah, there's a lot more kind of Schindler's list than I expected, but it is, it is definitely worth seeing because Al Pacino is terrific. Yeah. Yeah. But we're talking about the A team. Watch the A team. (laughs) Sonny highly recommends it. Yeah. I I would say my favorite line in here is Lynch said the line because somebody, one of his guys said, you realize she's DOD. I don't care if she's (laughs) GOD. That's a great line. You, you, you really nailed it. Patrick Wilson really does uh, kind of steal the show in this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great movie, man. I love this movie. Well, we're going to have you back on again soon, Sonny, but thank you so much for bringing this up. And I think, uh, more people should check out the A team. Definitely. We are back with Eric Sinzak. Welcome back, Eric. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me back on. Absolutely. And, uh, so before we get into the movie version, I got to ask, were you into the original TV show of the A team back in the eighties? Oh, yes, I was big fan of the 80s, a team. And uh, there's a picture of me and my brother, which who, you know, my brother, Kristen Zach, yep. uh, there's a picture of me and him in the a team van from a no tool way. show. Yes, we have it somewhere, somewhere in our archives. Somewhere in the Sinzak archives, uh, we have a picture of us in the A-Team van, both of us holding Uzis. We were at a car show <laughs> in Chicago. So, yes, we were A-Team fans, big A-Team fans from the 80s. 
Yes. Okay, so when you on on Facebook, you got to do a TBT like a Throwback Tuesday or Thursday. You got to find that and put it put it up on Facebook. Yeah, we have to find it somewhere. <laughs> we <laughs> either he's got the photo or I've got the photo. It's buried somewhere, so I'm gonna have to say, Chris, if you're listening, if you hear this, you got to pick that photo up, or, or you know, I'll have to dig it out somewhere. I bet you've got it. Anyway. Okay, I'm gonna I'll have to ping you guys like before this is gonna be released, so we can we can start promoting, and this would be the perfect promotion to just get a picture of that. Yeah, we need to. We need to find it. <laughs> what was great about the original TV show is like there would be nonstop bullets flying all over the place. Nobody ever got shot. <laughs> Nobody ever died. Nothing. It was just it's like live ridiculous. action GI Joe cartoon. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But it was it was so much fun. It was it, uh, NBC was so good back then because you know between that and and Family Ties, like uh, NBC was like my go to uh, television network at that point. Yeah, it was, I do remember that was like, you know, everybody, we watched different strokes. We watched A-Team. We watched mm-hmm. anything, that, you know, anything that was on NBC was what we watched. And I, I don't know why. It was just that was the network that had all the good stuff on it. Yeah. And that was just what we were, why the network we were watching. So for some reason... You know, it was like CBS was the network of old people. I don't know what it was. And ABC was the network of news. It's like the right. <laughs> you just always landed on the good sitcoms or the good action shows on NBC. Mm-hmm. You just, I don't know what it was, but it's like they just always had the best stuff. So, you know, we, A-Team, A-Team came on there. Three's Company came on there. Different Strokes came on there. I think you Knight know, Rider was on there. Knight Rider was on there. Yeah. I, so, yeah, Co- we all- Cosby show. Yeah. Yeah. Cosby was on there. And yep. what was it? They, they're the ones that coined must see TV or must see what Thursdays and Seinfeld came on there. Eventually it was like yeah. everything rotated yeah. onto NBC. So yeah, they were just they, a great network. They got it right. So fast forward, I don't know, 20 years later, they decide to finally do a movie version of it. And, uh, so when you first heard about that, they were going to, you know, film it, were you excited? Or were you like, Oh, why are they doing this? <laughs> at first I was skeptical and I was a father of very young children at the time. So I was not really able to get out to the movies a lot. Mm. So I was like, the only way I'm going to the theater is if something's really kick ass. And if I can get out, you know, with my wife to go to a film mm-hmm. and we are having to have a babysitter and she is not going to want to go see the A team. <laughs> <laughs> so I pretty much, counted already that uh i'm gonna have to watch this on a rental or something mm-hmm. by myself and so i was like the first time i heard about it, a team remake i was kind of excited i was like okay hopefully this is good and we'll see how it turns out and then everybody was telling me eh, it's okay and mm-hmm. i was like well I, you know these people aren't as big a you know pop culture fans as i am so maybe it's good i'll check it out on a rental mm-hmm. well, the, the rental I got, I didn't get a rental. I borrowed a DVD from a friend of mine who got 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 a DVD from somebody who filmed it in a theater. Oh, God. <laughs> One of those. <laughs> it's like, hey, this is a little fuzzy. And why is a guy walking in front of the screen? I was like, oh, shit. So <laughs> that was the only way I could watch it the first time. Oh. So uh, it was very bad quality. Audio sucked. And I watched probably half of it three quarters of it and i turned it off i was like oh shit i can't even watch the whole thing so i hadn't watched it in years now until you and i talked about doing this podcast and then i rented it on Mm -hmm. amazon and finally watched it 
all the way through. And I loved it. I was really? so happy. I watched it. Yes. So happy I watched it. Okay, so let's get into the cast. So how did you feel the cast was compared to the TV show? So we'll start with like Liam Neeson uh, as opposed to George Papard. I think he did it justice. I think he did George Papard justice. I think he did. He, he played, if you had George Papard now in his mm-hmm. prime playing that character, that's exactly how George Papard would have loved to have played that character. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think with the swagger that George Papard had in his age, uh, if you had put him in modern day and you let him play that character, that's probably what Liam Neeson had in his mindset. Mm-hmm. He was like, well, how would George have played this character? Probably as cool, but tough. And that's probably what he really kept trying to put in his head. I think George would have played it the same way. I think yeah. he would have done the same thing. I, th- I really like the way Liam Neeson did it. Mm-hmm. Okay, then Bradley Cooper compared to Dirk Benedict. I don't think he played it the same way. I think Bradley Cooper was playing Bradley Cooper. Right. And Bradley Cooper plays Bradley Cooper in almost everything. He doesn't mm-hmm. really change change his style. But And Dirk Benedict... Don't get me wrong. Dirk Benedict is a great actor. And I think he played, he, he, he does a great job in what he plays. They're just very different styles. And I think Bradley Cooper did a great job in this. And I think mm-hmm. he, he, for the way this was written, Bradley Cooper's character was completely believable and perfect for this role. Mm-hmm. And, and our, his acting style was perfect for the way this was written. He right. would not have done great. He would not, his character would, or his acting style would not have done well in the eighties. Mm for that character. Mm-hmm. So it would, it would have felt weird and creepy. Yeah. So, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. There, is, there was a certain suaveness of that eighties actor, you know, that, 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 uh, yeah, you're right. That, that, I didn't even think about that, but that's, that's a great way to put it. Um, okay. So how about rampage Jackson compared to Mr. T. Okay. Now I like, I like Quentin Jackson. I mm-hmm. like Quentin rampage Jackson a lot because well, for one, personally, I like him a lot because he went to the school my wife used to teach at. Oh, wow. Yeah, he went to Raleigh, Egypt High School. Nice. My wife used to teach at Raleigh, Egypt. Uh, well, she taught at the elementary. He went to the elementary, and then he went to high school in Memphis. So okay. I'm a big fan of Quentin. He's a su- super nice guy from what I understand. I never met him, but I everybody around Memphis loves him. Cool. Um, but he, I hear he's a giant teddy bear, really awesome guy. But I think Quentin pulled it off great. He added a lot of, and surprisingly, he added a lot of emotion into that character. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of the film, when he has to come to a crisis of conscience about what to do as far as killing goes, I thought it was really interesting that they had that. They had a moment when he was like, he's been in jail, and he's like, well, I'm going to start reading about Gandhi. Right. Start trying to figure out whether or not I want to continue a life of violence. You know, and I, I know there's a lot of guys who go to jail and they do that. They start mm-hmm. trying to figure out their life. That was pretty actually accurate. You know, I, I, I thought, why not? Why wouldn't you have a care? One of these guys do that. Why wouldn't you have somebody suddenly decide I got to rethink my life. And of course the biggest guy, big, the biggest badass guy there probably would have done something like that. So that mm-hmm. made sense. And <laughs> I do like how he turned around. <laughs> finally, uh, finally had to save face's ass, but you know that was right. that was nice. And uh, but yeah, he it was. I thought it was really cool. Now he, how he, he you know he's not an actor; he's an MMA fighter. Right. That's right. Uh, and that, in, in, yeah. Of all of all of them, he probably had the toughest shoes to fill in the sense of Mr. T was an icon of the '80s. I mean, so you know everyone's yeah. gonna yeah. You think of Mr. T when you think of that role. 
Yeah, he's he did not play it like Mr. T. He played it like Quentin, and right. I like that. Mm-hmm. He did not have to pretend to be Mr. T. He, he had to play it like like B.A. He had mm-hmm. to be B.A. And that, that's that's the one thing I liked. I said, you know what? If he wanted to play that role, just just be that role. Don't mm-hmm. be somebody else. Don't be somebody else. Just be you and be in that role. And I thought that was great because if he went into it trying to be somebody else, that would have screwed it up completely. Oh, I totally uh, agree. Yeah, absolutely. But he actually, I thought he did really well with that role. I think he, you know, he's not an actor. So if if he went into it trying to be something he wasn't, then it would have seemed fake, mm-hmm. but he, he actually acted. He was in a, he was an actor for that whole role. He did not fake it. He was very believable in that whole role. I liked it. I thought he was, I thought he did a really great job. And actually Mr. T really wasn't an actor. He was a bodyguard and he was got, you know, he was like an enforcer and he kind of just fell into uh Rocky three. So very similar yeah. in many ways. Yeah. I, I, and, you know, he turned around, he wound up doing how many movies in Mr. T do? He's done a ton of stuff, do TV, movies, yeah. just all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. And then I, I think for other reasons, I think the toughest role uh, to fill was Murdoch because he was so <laughs> nuts in, in the TV show that, yeah, how was how was someone going to pull it off? But uh, Charlotte, or I think it's Charlotte uh, Copley. Charlotte Copley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's absolutely great in this. And he's I, I've always liked watching Charlton Copley play uh, different things. And he's, you know, from Elysium uh, and, you know, and he's been in a bunch of other films, too. And, and he's every role he plays is different, but he he's a chameleon, you mm-hmm. know, and this he's very got he's got soft sided, you know, emotion in this. And he's he's really cool to watch because. Yeah, I mean, he he played it like Dwight Schultz in a lot of ways. In some mm-hmm. places, you know, he's got that crazy stuff going on, but he's just as cocky and fun to watch in this as the original Murdoch was. And it, I, I always enjoyed watching Murdoch in the original A Team because he, he's very much you don't know what's going to happen. He's scary <laughs> as hell because you're not sure, and he does that. He, he you're not you don't really know, but he takes it another level higher because Murdoch was always that way in some respects with stuff like he's flying or something like but but shardo copley plays it almost like like a special ops guy where he's like especially when he's pretending to be the doctor or when he's mm-hmm. like you know uh, right in the very, beginning yeah yeah right in the beginning but they're very comfortable with him doing this you know and other, like in the original series they're not the only person that's not is ba right you know but but the rest of them are like go ahead and just sort of go nuts and that's what i loved about this is like they're they're okay with him you know, and then close to the end there, when Bradley Cooper's talking to him, he's like, "You're crazy," but you know, it's like, "I know you're crazy, but I love you." You know, right? <laughs> like, you're 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 my guy. You're my crazy. Yeah. So I, how, did, I, how did you feel about the plot? Because I, I think it was one thing. One of the drawbacks a lot of people said about this was the plot got a little bit convoluted. Yeah, and I think that was if, if this is one you can't, you, you kind of got to pay attention to, and yeah. I, I think. People didn't expect that for an action film. They kind of just wanted you to shoot it up the whole way and go through and just sort of be linear. Mm-hmm. Um, and it did, it did have some twists and turns. I think that they're expecting people just to be able to follow it, you know, close. Um, Cause there's this whole thing about Morrison, the general, you know, general Morrison turning out to be the bad guy, you know? And, then, and I, right. I, I like that. I kind of like stuff like this where you, you have to pay attention to, to that a little sure. bit you know, on stuff like this. 
when it's when it's an action film. I mean, I like I've liked movies that are that are a little bit, you know, I like the Bourne Identity, I like Black Hat and stuff like that. Movies that are like you know a little bit you know tightly wound and you got to watch and you got to be you know pay attention to because it'll lose some people if you're not watching closely. But then you know they're good, but you just got to pay attention to. But this is one of them that sort of draws that line. Is action, it's fun, but it's got some really convoluted plot lines to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you're, they're all right, and I could see where it would lose some people there because you're like in the middle of it, you're kind of like going, "Wait a minute, he's where? Who is this guy?" And Pike, <laughs> you know, Pike at the beginning, I could see where they wouldn't understand where that one guy, because the guy Pike, who's the mm-hmm. guy they're fighting. He right. only appears right at the beginning of it. He shows up in a polo shirt and they're talking to him. And all of a sudden he's like the main bad guy mm-hmm. that they're fighting there at the end. And he's the one that, um, you know, that uh, Hannibal talks to at the beginning. He's kind of pissing him off. He walks up to him and says, you guys are thugs in polo shirts. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden toward the end, he's he's the guy they're they're in in huge gunfights with. Right. So there's a huge time period in the from the beginning to the middle to, to like, you know, where they don't see him. He's mm-hmm. out of the picture for a long time. So right. I can understand why that's probably why difficult for a lot of people to where you lose him. And maybe that's probably why people got upset about it. Yeah. And the other thing is it's got an ending that is very ambiguous. And I think that they did that on purpose thinking there were going to be sequels like this was going to be a series and it there wasn't. And so it, it kind of almost makes you feel like wanting more. Like I was unsatisfied when I first saw the ending. I was like, ah, you know, I thought I started thinking like, Oh, maybe it's just a backstory. They're going to do another one. And then there never was another one. So that, that was kind of disappointing in a way. Well, there actually was supposed to be a series. Um, and they had set it up. uh, I think there were supposed to be three, three films. Mm -hmm. Um, but of course that was all based on the prospect of this making money. Right. But it, it don't, it never did the amount of money that they were expecting. So mm-hmm. they, you know, once the, and all of them, the writers and everybody got to, you know, they were seeing the writing on the wall when it, when they were watching the returns and they, they just moved on to other stuff. So, right. Yeah. You know, but and, yeah, and, I thought I, I'd read about that. Yeah. And, and I asked this question to Sonny who also loves this movie. Uh, if there was a sequel, what would you have the plot be? Hmm. That's a good question. It would be hard to do a sequel for this, but probably if there was a sequel, see, it's so easy to try to say something in the Middle East or something like sure. that. Probably what I would do is probably have it something domestic terror, something mm. on, on us soil. Right. Cause so, that's pretty much how the TV show was. Yeah. I, cause I would bring it sort of, you know, something here like on the, in the States. So, mm-hmm. because it's like they're running from the law and they're also trying to fix stuff here. You know, everybody wants to set stuff over in the Middle East. Don't do that just because it's so predictable. Oh, it is. You know? <laughs> I would, I would put it here like in the, something set in the United States. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and yeah, they really didn't because eventually they become mercenaries and they're, you know, the pay, you know, pay, pay for play type of type of thing. And so, yeah, they could definitely get into that. Yeah. And That's then. The other the other character that uh, I don't know if it really fits is it was I felt it was almost kind of shoehorned in because of the movie was the Jessica Biel character. How did you feel about her? Yeah, it was it felt a little uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) I mean, not her. No, 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 of course not. (laughs) Um, Just the the way they wrote her in, I thought. Right. Uh, But I thought toward the end, it was like the way her character development was a little bit better toward the end. but 
overall, I thought they could have done better writing for her character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably they, I think she's probably suffered from several rewrites. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I bet she probably had a different amount of screen time and probably she suffered from editing mm-hmm. uh, is what I'm guessing from looking at, from watching it. Cause I, there were some parts in there that seemed really confusing and I'm guessing that she was supposed to be on screen and then like at other points, cause her plot line seemed very weird. So I'm guessing that her character suffered from a lot of editing. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. Because yeah. I, if you if you remember in the TV show, there was like they did have kind of a female character, and I believe I, I want to say like the early seasons they they kind of did, it, and then they kind of wrote her out. So um, yeah, maybe they're trying to go back to that. I think they may have they may have toyed with it, and mm-hmm. then when they got into the cutting room and they started cutting stuff for time, they, I think she suffered from a lot of uh, the floor. I think she yeah. she wound up on the floor a lot. So, yeah, and, and that probably happens more than you think for a lot of these things. Yeah, yeah, I think it does, and I, I you know, it's it's unfortunate because it, it, she may have had really great scenes and she mm-hmm. may have had really great interaction, but we'll never know. You know, it just it just wouldn't happen. So. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, her and, and Bradley Cooper definitely had a little bit of chemistry. It just, yeah, as you said, I, it, it's a little choppy. Yeah, it really it really wound up that way but you know when you're editing for t- you're when you're cutting for time and, mm-hmm. and you got you got four and a half hours of film and you can only you got to get it down to 90 minutes you know it's really tough to <laughs> something's got to go so <laughs> that's true all right so would you recommend the movie or the TV show if you had to pick one oh you gonna make me pick one oh, okay <laughs> just for this purpose <laughs> I recommend the uh, I recommend the TV show okay good as a child of the 80s I approve so yeah, yeah, I do have, and I, I told this to Sonny too. You can get the entire collection on on DVD of the of the TV show, and it comes in the A Team van. I, it's worth buying just. Oh, for that. cool! That's yeah. neat. Okay, it's it's pretty badass. So I even yeah. have a little Lego set of uh, BA's van too, and it comes with Mister T. So nice. Yes, yes. <laughs> so we will leave it at that, and uh, you definitely say, but definitely check out the movie. You you definitely recommend the movie as well. Yeah, I recommend the movie. It's it's got a fun factor to it. It's got a high fun factor. And if you're, I'm a military guy. I'm an ex military guy, and mm-hmm. I've actually, you know, I was ex Navy hospital corpsman. I served in with a Marine unit, so I've got a lot of, you know, I'm familiar with jargon. I'm familiar with gear. Mm-hmm. So I, watching this, there was not too much silliness. I mean, it was, you know, of course I watch stuff and I I'm watching with a a wink and a nod, like okay, that was stupid, um, but you know. <laughs> I have to, I have to sort of not bite my tongue at a lot of stuff and say, okay, this is TV. This is a movie. I have to just sort of let it go. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was not too hard for me to do that with this and let it go. Cause I have to just say, okay, it's just a movie. And mm-hmm. just, and, and, and the great thing about this is when you're ex-military, you can just look at stuff and say, okay, it's with the A team. It's like, okay, it's completely out the window. Right. <laughs> It's all pure fantasy. So that's, that's the great thing about this. So it's, it's fun. It's mm-hmm. a real fun film and, uh, it's, it's all just, uh, it's mayhem. So the whole thing from start to finish is just, it's fun and it's mayhem. 
you bring up a good point because I I think a lot of people, uh, some people might get caught up, whether it be military or whatever your profession may be, you might get caught up in, oh, well, they didn't do this the right way or watching a sports movie. Why wasn't like this? But I think if movies are made for mass appeal, you have to figure that most people watching it may not be in the military, so they're not going to catch those little things uh, like that. But do you you find yourself in general like watching movies where you're like, oh, I can't watch this because it's just totally wrong? Uh, You know, not really. And if I ever start doing that, I, I catch myself. I go, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Stop. You're not, you're not a technical advisor. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off. And, and even, even though I have been a PA for a couple of things, mm-hmm. um, I have to tell myself, okay, they're not, you know, this is going to be on screen for like two minutes. Let it go. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I have to, you know, and these guys are not, active duty Marines. So let it go. So I, I, and and the director wants this, let it go. (laughs) So I have to really catch myself and just figure out what it is. So, uh, but I do my best to make sure things look accurate on what I'm working on. And I've only worked on a small, a couple small independent films, so don't look for my name in the credits for anything large, but, uh, <laughs> well, you never yeah. know. They, you know, that's right place, right time. You you never know what might happen. Yeah. I'm out here and nobody's working, so don't feel bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, anyway, it's, it, you know, I do have to really, the, the, the great thing about Hollywood is everything is fake and mm-hmm. everything is fun. And it, it, the great thing about movies is you sit back with some popcorn, you're in the dark room, you're you're in you're in fantasy land. You're watching the fun stuff happen on screen, and if you sit there too much and you nitpick and you criticize what's on screen, you're not there for the right reasons. You're right. Just, you should sit there and enjoy it. Let it yeah. just be silly. Let it be yeah, fun. Yeah, it's escapism. Escapism. It's escapism. Exactly. Yeah. Get a degree. One thing I did want to ask you. So going with the Bradley Cooper theme is, uh, I, I'm sure you saw American Sniper. Yes, I did. Okay. Yes. So how did you feel about that? How that how that was portrayed? I think American Sniper is one of the best films mm. uh, that they've made. I mm. think it is, and it it absolutely breaks me up when I watch it. Yeah, um, yeah, because I I know I've I've known guys who work in that line of work, um, and it's it's heart wrenching. Uh, it's very it's a very tough you know business, and probably one of the hardest parts of that whole film bar none for me to watch is <clears throat> when he's sitting in the bar yeah. and he comes back home and he, you know, his wife telling him, are you home? And he's like, yeah, I've been back and he can't tell her why he hasn't come home. Right. He, she doesn't understand why he's not home yet. Mm-hmm. That that's to me, the hardest part of the whole film to watch. Because yeah, yeah, people don't get it. A lot of people don't get it. So or like uh, I, 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 I saw it once and I saw it in the theater. It was brilliant. Um, but you're right. And then there was the one scene like I think it was like a party and somebody's wrestling or, or something like that. And he he just he still can't turn it off because his mentally he's still there. Right. He grabs yeah. the dog. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's, it's a tough. It's a tough movie. And for military films, it's 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 a good film. It's accurate in a lot of ways. And, you know, a lot of ways it's not, but a lot of ways it it is. So, but I think Brad Cooper did a great job in American Sniper. I think he did a really accurate portrayal, a very honorable tribute to Chris Kyle. I think yep. he did a good job. And Quinn Eastwood's, Quinn Eastwood's the man. I, he, he can do no wrong <laughs> my book, so. Yeah. 
I think yeah. he, I think Clint is a wonderful director. I think he's a great uh, actor, great director, and he uh, truly lives in his work. I think absolutely. He, yeah, he drives hard for his work. Well, that and uh, you know, a lot of people in Hollywood, uh, you know, like to like to run their mouths, but they don't put their their money where their mouth is. And he actually ran for Mayor Carmel. And he was the Mayor of Carmel, so you know, he he actually practices yeah. what, he, what he preaches. So you get you got to admire a guy like that. Yeah, yeah, he. So. He, he really, uh, you know, if he's going to say he's going to do something, he'll do it. He'll, he'll do it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Different generation. Well, as always, thank you so much, uh, Chris. This has been a lot of fun. Sorry, not oh, Chris. Okay. Sorry, Eric. I'm sorry. That's okay. We were That's talking okay. about Chris hey. Kyle, but, but we're also it, talking about your brother. So there you go. Oh, I can it. That's all been happening time. my whole life, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> thank you so much, Eric. Thank you. You're welcome, Brian. You're welcome. Right. Talk to you soon, man. Talk to you later. This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories Podcast. And now, get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues, because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the Bad Beat, because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie (laughs) I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts are available for sale. All you have to do is go to tpublic, that's T-E-E-P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. 
Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the actual alcoholic. And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world, and it's my number one podcast, signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said, my second favorite podcast is, it doesn't matter, the rest suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault, featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault. On Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs>